Postscript of the Frozen Pirate This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barry Eads The Frozen Pirate by W. Clark Russell Postscript Here concludes the remarkable narrative of Mr. Paul Rodney. It is to be wished that he had found the patience to tell us a little more. The circumstance of his dying in 1823, worth 31,000 pounds, leads me to suspect that his associate Tassard greatly exaggerated the value of the treasure. I am assured that he lived very quietly, and that the lady he married, who bore him two children, both of whom died young, was of a nun-like simplicity of character, and loved show and extravagance as little as her husband. Hence, there is no reason to suppose that he squandered any portion of the fortune that had in the most extraordinary manner ever heard of fallen into his hands. I have ascertained that he very substantially discharged the great obligation that his relative Mason laid him under, and that his three men received a thousand pounds apiece. It is possible, then, that the pirates were themselves deceived, that what they had taken to be gold or silver ingots were not all so, or it might be that the case of jewelry was less valuable than the admiring and astonished eyes of a plain sailor, who admits that he had never before seen such a sight figured it. Be this, however, as it may, it is nevertheless certain, as proved by Mr. Rodney's last will and testament, that he did uncommonly well out of his adventure on the ice. Whatever may be thought of his story of the Frenchman's restoration to life, in other directions Mr. Rodney's accuracy seems unimpeachable. It is quite conceivable that a stoutly built vessel, locked up in the ice and thickly glazed, should continue in an excellent state of preservation for years. The confession of his superstitious fears exhibits honesty and candor. It is related that a Captain Warren, master of an English merchant ship, found a derelict, in August, 1775, that had long been ice-bound, with her cabins filled with the bodies of the frozen crew. His own sailors, however, would not suffer him to search the vessel thoroughly, through superstition, and wished to leave her immediately. A pity they did not try their hands at thawing one of the poor fellows. The result might have kept Mr. Rodney's strange experience in countenance. Accounts of vast bodies of ice, such as that which Mr. Rodney fell in with, will be found in the South Atlantic Directory. For instance, quote, Sir James C. Ross crossed Weedle's track in latitude 65 degrees south, and where he had found an open sea, Ross found an ice pack of an impassable character, along which he sailed for 160 miles, and again, when only one degree beyond the track of Cook, who had no occasion to enter the pack, Ross was navigating among it for fifty-six days. But these appear insignificant when compared with a body of ice reputed to have been passed by twenty-one ships during the months of December 1854 and January, February, March, and April 1855, floating in the South Atlantic from latitude 44 degrees south, longitude 28 degrees west, to latitude 40 degrees south, longitude 20 degrees west. Its elevation in no case exceeded 300 feet. 
The first account of it was received from the Great Britain, which in December 1854 was reported to have steamed fifty miles along the outer side of the longer shank. End quote. One ship was lost upon it, others embayed. The End End of Postscript End of the Frozen Pirate by W. Clark Russell